Welcome to Get Found, Get Funded, a podcast all about creating visibility, paths for growth, and opportunity for entrepreneurs. We focus on those entrepreneurs who are statistically underrepresented in the startup ecosystem. Your hosts are Zena Island, president of X Plus PR, a media relations agency, angel investor Aurelia Flores, managing member of Athena Digital Media Group, a digital marketing agency, and angel investor Christina Francis, president of Esteem Logic, an information technology, consulting, and training firm. In each episode, you will meet a new startup founder, hear about their company and where they are now. We then focus on one key challenge facing that entrepreneur, a challenge that is common among startups. Each episode also features a guest expert to weigh in on the challenge. Welcome to Get Found, Get Funded. Today, we're speaking with Lynette Abbott of Craft My Occasion. Craft My Occasion creates party supplies that celebrate children of color. Lynette founded Craft My Occasion in 2013 as a successful event planning company in South Florida. However, after working closely with many families of color, she realized that there was a common issue they shared, a lack of party supplies that represent their children. Lynette decided to create party products for girls and boys of color, and she launched a very successful crowdfunding campaign, which raised over $20,000. We're going to be talking more about that in just a minute, but that was her first time out crowdfunding. The first mass shipment of party supplies was sourced in China and features a beautiful mermaid design, which you can see on our website. So definitely go there, check it out. You want to see it's beautiful. Lynette has more designs that are ready for release. She is currently in a fundraising round to bring them to the market and to take her next steps. And she has big plans for the business moving forward, eventually branching out into home decor. Lynette, tell us a little bit about yourself and why this is such a passion for you. Thank you so much for that um, amazing introduction. Um, Well, I have always been passionate about parties and celebrating life. Uh, For many years, I've planned events and trips for my entire family, so I'm like the resident um, party girl of the family. Uh, And about five years ago, I decided to start a business on the side as an event planner, and I began to notice um, a common issue with families, as you mentioned. Uh, Most of my clients are women of color, and they wanted party decor that represented their children, and it was very difficult for them to find it which is one of the main reasons why they wanted um, an event planner. So as a mom and a woman of color myself, I am constantly reminding my children of how beautiful they are. And my daughter is five. She's very aware of her hair and her skin color. So it's a daily practice for me to show and tell her that she is beautiful and her hair is beautiful and so on. So not having party products that look like her has bothered me for a while too. And I know that is sending a message to her that is completely opposite of what I'm telling her every day. So I know there are so many moms that feel the same way that I do. So I decided to create what I wish existed for her and other children of color. So um, that's how party supplies are born. 
That's great. And your main challenge for your company at this pro- at this point in your growth cycle is really how do you market your product, right? Right. Yeah, I've been um, really excited to get my products to the market and make them available to uh, families, but I don't really know where to start. Marketing is not my strongest point, so I feel like I need a lot of help in that area. Hi, Lynette. It's Asina. Um, first, let me start off saying I love your products. And oh, thank you so much. If I had a little girl, you know, I don't have any children, but if I had a little girl, I would definitely would buy them. They are adorable, and I really think you captured the market perfectly. So thank oh, you for thank creating you. that product. Um, so starting with, you know, your marketing, I understand it's, it's a tough issue. Um, you have to figure out, you know, where to begin. And prioritization for small business owners is important item to pick out what is going to be your biggest ROI, um, which is your return on investment. And from our perspective, sales comes first before everything else. You need the revenues to invest back into your business and make a profit. So if you want online sales, you have to lead with the product that is the first step in marketing your products. When I originally went to your landing page of your website, there was nowhere for me to buy a product. And all I saw on your site was a link to a contact page, a blog, and a video about your Kickstarter program, which we'll get into that later. But that Kickstarter program had ended weeks ago. Um, the, the website and especially the blog were not up to date and I still had to dig around to figure out where the product was. However, you have made significant strides since we last spoke and you've added the product to your site and congratulations, this is a big improvement. And now you can see clearly the product on your landing page. Thank you. Um, I... It took me a while to get that together because um, it's been hard for me. I did a Kickstarter completely myself, and so um, I have a lot of obligations to fill as far as um, right now completing, fulfilling orders from the Kickstarter campaign, as well as I'm still involved with, um, you know, developing new products and designs for the party supplies. And also, you know, I still have a full-time job. I'm still a mom. So everything falls on me. Um, my husband does help me with, you know, packing and shipping, but everything else is on me. So time is limited, and it's been difficult to, you know, get fine-tuned the, t- the things that you mentioned. But um, those are very great ideas, and I have every intention to, you know, get back up to speed and make sure that, you know, I lead with my product, you know, everywhere possible. No, I totally understand. And as an entrepreneur, it's very difficult to figure out, you know, where to start, where to end, and try to keep all the balls up in the air. So you made that first step. And as I said earlier, congratulations. And I tell my clients this, you must remember the web never sleeps. 40% is the time business decision makers spend online for work purposes outside the hours of 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. Given that you've already built an audience, you already realize the most important thing to show is the product. And not just on your website. I think it should be on most of your platforms. 
Um, your social media banners in a blog, social uh, social media posts, also in videos, which you created for your Kickstarter campaign. And I'm not saying to overwhelm your audience, but make sure you feature your brand and your company on all aspects of your business. This will help increase sales. You have an original product, so you must have a way for people to buy. Leave with the picture and everything will fall into place. It's different, it's unique, and it screams self-love. <laughs> Think about how you want to view yourself online. And so I want you to take a step back and take a digital selfie, all right, and do this exercise. And you should do this from time to time. I recommend that people do it, if you can do it monthly or quarterly, just take a step back and do this digital selfie exercise. Google your business. See what is out there online about you and your business. Look at your website. Look at it from a customer's perspective. What would you want to see as a customer on that website? Evaluate your social media channels. What's working? What's, what could work differently to help enhance sales? Always use images, videos, and blogs because your product is so visu visible. Press and reviews. You got a lot of good press during your Kickstarter campaign. See how you can repurpose your press. Use some of the evergreen pieces, and then you can use that again, and you can repost it on social media. Um, you can write a blog about it. There's so many things you can do. See yourself from the customer's eyes, and I think you'll start to see your sales grow by incorporating those marketing tactics. Oh, I love the idea of a digital selfie. I had never heard that before, so that's something that I'm definitely going to do um, to step back, take a look at a, as a, a customer from a different perspective. Um, so, yeah, that's very useful, very useful. Yeah, and Lynette, this is Christina. First of all, I too will be a customer. I have a 10-year-old <laughs> daughter and several nieces and friends that have daughters, and I'm also looking forward to your, your boys' line. I have a nine-year-old son as well. Um, and just kind of on the, the, the selfie um, uh, initiative that Zena just mentioned, the other thing I think, and entrepreneurship can be very lonely, right? And 90% of women businesses business owners have no employees except for the founder. And so sometimes we don't take time to celebrate our success. While we always have time for improvement, one of the things I want to offer you is just take a step back when you are looking through Google and looking at the reviews and what people are saying. Take a step back and say, wow, I've done this. I am a rock star. And thank your husband and your family and your friends just for supporting you. Um, again, it can be lonely. Uh, but as you go forward, a few things to think about um, just in terms of having limited time and trying to do it all, right, is to take a step back and do four things, right? One is to prioritize. A lot of times we kind of look at the list of things that we have to do and we see we have a, a pocket of free time and we just try and get it done. I would say step back and prioritize. See what you need to do first. Um, you know, put a plan together, whether it's your social media plan or your marketing plan or your partnership plan um, or just your rest plan, right? A lot of times we don't take the rest. Um, I would also make sure you're planning for that. And the third is identify <clears throat> and call on resources, right? So your fans, your followers, your friends, funders, um, just different social media perhaps to, to help you as you look forward to what you're doing. 
I found found success in using Fiverr. Um, you know, if I needed to get something out quickly, if I needed someone to review a plan for me, and I didn't have um, a team around me to support. And then also look at potentially college interns or others who may have time and may um, be able to support you and be very excited about your mission and your product. I think you're going to find a lot of people really excited about what you're doing. Um, and then the fourth area uh, that I love to talk about, and I'll probably talk about it a lot on the show, is partnerships. Um, a lot of times, you know, to scale, to scale fast, to scale smartly, and to scale right uh, for the community that you're supporting is to look at other partners who are doing something similar where you both will find benefit in working together. Um, and so just to recap, prioritize, plan, identify and call on resources, and then partner. And I think you'll, you'll find that you're managing your time better, you're not as stressed, and you, you have a greater community around you to support and keep things going and keep you, the momentum going. Oh, okay. Those are really great points. Thank you. Um, I'm definitely going to work on prioritization because um, it's, it can get overwhelming, as you mentioned. So being able to take a step back and, um, you know, be intentional about my actions will help a lot. Um, and I also wanted to um, uh, touch on the fact that you talked about celebrating because that's something that um, I need to work on also because there's always something to do, something that needs to be done. There's always a deadline. There's always, um, you know, something going on. So it's just go, go, go. And I rarely pause and just, you know, take it all in and enjoy the moment. So, um, yeah, I'll be doing all that. Yeah, and Lynette, you've got, I think, what, 16,000 followers on Instagram and growing. That's something to celebrate right there, right? So, yeah. you know, <laughs> so great job. Well, and not only that, like the fact that you had this phenomenally successful crowdfunding campaign your first time out is just amazing, right? Like most people who do crowdfunding campaigns don't meet their goals the first time. So the fact that you did is, you know, absolutely awesome and i understand that you're even you know doing some consulting for small businesses who want to do um fund fundraising crowdfunding campaigns as well and that says a lot about you know kind of the skill set you have built and how you've done that um talk to us a little bit about that because i know you know you were saying gosh you were you know you've got all of these things to do and then on top of that you've got to fulfill all these crowdfunding orders right yeah um it's been a little crazy. So as far as the, the crowdfunding campaign goes, um, it's funny that you say that because I really, when I went, you know, when I decided to do a crowdfunding campaign, I really did not know that most people do not reach their funding goal um, the first the first go around. Um, I knew, of course, that there was um, a possibility that I wouldn't reach my goal, right? Because, you know, that's just the way it goes. But I didn't know that that, that it was not in my favor since it was my first time. So, and also, um, I did everything myself, um, just researching and, and, you know, watching the successful campaigns and picking out what they did right. So, um, I didn't realize um, how difficult it was. It was very difficult. And um, I also didn't realize that it was not common for me to reach my goal. I really just focused on what I wanted to do, how can I get there, and, you know, just laid out a plan to, to reach my goal. And um, so that was uh, amazing. It was very uh, challenging, but also very rewarding because, um, like you said, I reached my goal. So I've had a lot of people reach out to me 
and ask me, um, you know, about tips and pointers as far as running a a successful Kickstarter campaign. So I have started consulting because now I realize that um, there is a need in the area and a lot of people need help with it. So um, if anybody's interested, they can send me an email at um, hello at craftmyoccasion.com and I'll be happy to help them out. That's great. I'm glad you, um, you're making yourself available to resource, be a resource for other people as well. So we were talking just a minute ago about your website, right? And so, um, after in, in wake, in the wake of the crowdfunding campaign, yay, you were able to celebrate. And I think that's awesome. And we really want to pause and and do that because it's really important for us as entrepreneurs. And then you took some time to get up a one page sales site that you've um, got up right now. And then the next step is, um, really getting up a robust e-com site so that not only can you sell um, one thing, but you can grow and you can also use the power of an e-com site. And you had talk, we had talked about that a little bit um, and actually how you find the funding for that, for that site, right? Um, yeah, I, I really want a top-notch e-commerce site, you know, for my customers, but I'm not really sure how to get, get the funding to turn my website into a sales site. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you said that. And I'm also really glad that you understand the power and the importance of having a really solid, robust e-commerce site. Um, being in the marketing field, I see a lot of people who think they can just kind of throw up a Shopify site and, you know, everyone will come. And it, it's not that easy, <laughs> right? Um, and so really kind of putting together a robust e-com site, I mean, not to say that Shopify is not a great platform. It is. It's a great platform. And we actually recommend it to a lot of our clients. And there's a lot of pieces there. So having the right plugins, knowing what you need to to make that um, e-com site optimized is really, really important. And so, like you just said, how do you find the money for that? How do you do that? Um, because no one can really purchase. You can't really grow if you don't have that foundation, that backbone of your business, particularly for you who are, you know, who's selling a product and you're selling a product to people who, you know, are having a hard time finding it. And you really want to be able to grow the way you can. So one of the ways you can find that money, of course, is to do pitch, to do pitches, to raise that money. And I know you have been doing that. You've been pitching to angel groups. And I know that You've made it through several due diligence rounds. So I think that's really important. And it is a strategy that that founders use to raise money, right? You can certainly borrow money um, either from, you know, people around you or institutional um, resources. And then here's another thing that sometimes um, new entrepreneurs don't think about. And it is important to be careful with this particular um, strategy. And it can be really powerful. And that strategy is to trade, So you can either trade resources that you might have for somebody who is an expert in that field. Um, Again, part of the reason that it's important to be careful when you're trading is that you're trading value for value. So you don't want to trade with somebody who's not an expert. And you also want to be really clear about what those values are, because what you are going to have is a resource that's really powerful. So you might trade with... um, you know, or have a partial trade with somebody who can then maybe take revenue from your site at some point down the line and or have some kind of equity in your company or something that's going to be of real value in exchange for putting together that foundation for for your business. So good question on kind of how you get that money together. And and Azina pointed out earlier, the important thing is really just to to 
figure out how you can combine that, you know, compile those resources to get that site up as quickly as possible, because what you've got is really phenomenal. And I will echo what the other women said, which is I can't wait for my daughter's next birthday to be able to buy your stuff. (laughs) Thank you. You guys are so sweet. Um, The point that you made about trading, that's very interesting because I didn't even think about that. I didn't even know that um, that was an option, trading for services. So that's great. I'm definitely going to look into that. And um, another issue that I have is once I do get funding, because I am in the the round to raise funding, um, once I do that, where do I send my marketing dollars first? Because again, like marketing is my, my thing that I need help with. And um, it's like so, so many options, so many things that can be done that it gets a little bit overwhelming. So where do I get the biggest thing for my book? What's going to be most beneficial to my business? So, um, you know, where should I focus my, my marketing dollars? Well, I live by the motto, content is king. Tell your story. That's the first place where you need to spend your marketing dollars. Create your digital strategy and tell the story. And answer this question while you're building it. What is your promise to your customer? So you have some extra money and you need to figure out what are you promising to your customers? You're already using blogs to tell your story, but you need to update your box on a regular basis. So make sure you do that on your blogs. And if it's hard to keep up with your social media calendar, you know, as um, Christina mentioned earlier, you know, partnerships are important. So bring on a college intern to help you create those that social media calendar. And they only cost maybe about, you know, I, I use them all the time, maybe 10 to, you know, $15 an hour. And pay them to help you pull together your social media calendar. And I'm sure you have a local college near you. Remember, everything digital should be wrapped around your promise to make people aware of your craft my occasion. And here are some other suggestions I would like for you to um, notice, um, take notice to help you create that digital strategy. We already talked about your website, so you're going to start with that piece and just, you know, make regular updates and maybe use some of that money towards that website and and paying um, your web designer to help you make uh, updates. Continue to build and leverage your social media platform to to help tell your stories. Post regularly. I'm real big on posting. Um, I'm not saying post daily, but get a, you know, your social media calendar, you should post at least two to three times a week, in my opinion. And you pick two social media platforms that you really want to use and do it well. Always include photos uh, and imagery. You're great with memes. I love them on your uh, Instagram account. And photos from some of your parties, you know, if if your customers don't mind sharing those photos with you. And I know you already have a Facebook group um, where they're currently doing that. And show how different you are from your biggest competitors. So that's how you're going to create your digital strategy to help tell your story. Yeah, I really want to emphasize some of the things that Zena said, which is, you have, and, and Christina mentioned too, you have this built-in audience already. So you've got people who love you and are following you and love your product. And so really, you know, that's one of the things you can do before you start um, spending money on marketing dollars is really just cultivate cultivating that audience and building loyalty with that audience. And I know one of our experts is going to talk about, you know, how you protect your brand. 
Um, and while you certainly can't prevent somebody else from coming up with a black mermaid um, party supply line, um, although why they haven't done it before, I don't know. And you're brilliant <laughs> to come up with it now. So, you know, you can just kind of keep being, you know, an industry leader, as it were. But you can't, you can't um, prevent people from coming up with that. What you can do is really keep that audience with you and keep growing that audience. Um, because your main message, right, is celebrating children of color. And that story, that message, that keeping that like front and center and just keeping that underneath all of your messaging is going to make people resonate with you. It's just, it's so powerful. I mean, all of us are, you know, huge fans of yours because that's your message. And we just think that that's so important. So, you know, make sure you're, you're, you know, using the, the resources you have for free before you're spending your marketing dollars. And then Zena gave you some ideas about that. The other thing that I would say is when you are spending marketing dollars, particularly for um, Facebook ads or Instagram ads or what have you, um, and you probably know this already because you've been doing some of that, is Facebook has a great tool to create lookalike audiences. And for small businesses that are trying to get out to their people, because that's kind of, you know, over half of the battle is getting in front of people who want what you have. Um, one of the ways that people can do that is to create a lookalike audience from the people that you already have either on your email list or people that have engaged with your page, or in your case, you've got over 600 people that contributed to your crowdfunding campaign. So really using those audiences you already have to go out and find new audiences and to use the tools within the Facebook platform to really leverage that that asset. I mean, that those numbers, those followers, those, um, members of your audience are really a huge asset for your company. So that's what I want to add. That's great advice. I do have um, quite a bit of following on Instagram and that's one of the, one of my favorite social media platforms. So that's probably why I have the most followers because I spend most of my time there. Um, but I know I have been slacking a little bit with the, you know, social media posting and my blog um, because everything kind of went down to slow motion after the Kickstarter was over and all of these new priorities popped up. Um, but I'm definitely um, looking forward to getting back very active on social media and my blog because I actually miss doing that stuff because I love that kind of stuff. So um, definitely looking forward to that. And also um, just a reminder about telling the story because um, I think sometimes I forget that too. Not that it's not important because it's very important to me, um, but just with the hustle and bustle of every day and getting things done and even just trying to, you know, put up a post on Instagram because I haven't done it in a while and, you know, and I'm not remembering that I need to ensure that I'm always, you know, telling the story and um, tying in the fact that it's so important for us to celebrate children of color. So um, I'm also, this leads me to my other question because um, I do want to branch out my business and be in larger stores um, so that I'm more accessible to families and also want to branch out into home decor. So um, I'm wondering how do I keep my my edge and, um, you know, stay unique um, once I do begin to have products in larger stores? That's a great question, Lynette. And first, let me say the message and the feeling that you are creating with your brand by celebrating children of color can't lose its edge, right? It's something that we, we as a community, a culture, a society 
absolutely need and you are supporting that, filling that gap for individuals and creating just this this movement, right? And so I don't think you're going to lose your edge at all. And listen, your, your vision is building. You've had great success. We've talked about some of that on this call. Um, it's now about keeping your audience, right, and cultivating them. And we're going to say it again, telling your story. Oftentimes, we try and tell a story that's not our own. And so staying authentic and being unique, that's what's going to uh, capture the audiences of these larger stores that you want to go to and then capture additional customers and users and clients. So your value will grow with the loyalty and the size of your audience, but stay authentic, stay on, on message, tell your story, uh, and keep celebrating children of color through your creativity and the, the products that you develop. Great. Thank you, Christina. I appreciate that. Um, that's actually easy, so I'm relieved. I can keep telling my story. So, Lynette, thank you so much for being our first guest on our first episode of Get Found, Get Funded. Thank you for being part of the family. We are so excited about your product and the success you've had to date and the success that you're going to have. So can you just tell us and, and your listeners, how can they find you? Um, well, you can find me at my website. It's www.craftmyoccasion.com. Um, you can go there now if you like to purchase any of the party products or any party packages. Um, and you can also find me on Instagram at Craft My Occasion, Facebook, uh, and Twitter, all at Craft My Occasion. And um, I'm so honored to be here and be your first guest. I'm so excited. Thank you so much, ladies. Um, all the information you gave me is invaluable, and I'm definitely going to put it into practice and use it and um, hopefully give you an update. Lynette, we look forward to watching your company grow. We're now going to turn to our expert, Jennifer Elgin. She is a shareholder at the law firm of Bean, Kinney, and Corman in the Washington, D.C. area. She specializes in intellectual property with an emphasis on trademark and copyright clearance and selection, registration, enforcement, litigation, and licensing. Phew, that's a mouthful. <laughs> anyway, with regard to this situation, it's important because Lynette's trying to figure out how to protect her brand and what she's coming up with right now. And of course, she's shared with us that she wants to later on um, go into other lines such as home decor. Jennifer was formerly an in-house lawyer at Turner Broadcasting System in Atlanta, and she worked on the development, protection, and licensing of cartoon characters for its subsidiary Cartoon Network. Jennifer, tell us a little bit about what you're thinking with regard to Lynette's company and other companies in a similar position. Well, first of all, thank you so much for inviting me to comment on this very exciting venture. I really enjoyed listening to you talk and learning about uh, Lynette's business and all of the challenges that she has. Um, as a lawyer, I'm always very aware that two of the most precious resources for any small business owners are time and money, and I heard you all talk, um, certainly touch on both of those in your discussion. And that usually means that entrepreneurs run in the other direction whenever the issue of intellectual property protection arises. You know, you get your business up and running, and you think that IP is the kind of thing that you can put off. It's not worth the time or the money or the effort 
to secure your rights, but you're actually very wrong if you think that. Um, I did see that, Lynette, um, you've applied already for trademark registrations for your business name and your slogan, which is a really great start, and clearly she recognizes you know, the value of a trademark registration and that investment, so it's a great place to start. Um, I did hear you talking about the fact and the concern that you can't stop someone else from creating another character, another mermaid of color, and and that is very true. Um, but there are things that you can do absolutely to reduce the possibility that somebody creates characters somewhat like these. So I want to take a step back, first of all, and talk a little bit about um, the types of intellectual property protection that might be available. And in this case, I'm going to focus on trademarks and copyrights. There are other types of intellectual property protection, um, but uh, I think that these are going to be the most relevant in this situation. Um, for those of you who know something about trademarks, I'm going to use the terms trademarks and service marks and trade dress somewhat interchangeably here. Um, it doesn't really matter much for our purposes which exactly they are. But um, trademarks are commonly known as brands. Uh, they can be anything that signifies the source of a good or service. Of course, they can be a name or a slogan, like Lynette already has. But legal protection also can extend under certain circumstances to things like colors, such as brown for UPS, or sounds like the MGM Lion Roar or the NBC Chimes, uh, shapes like the Nike Swoosh, uh, even things like packaging, like a distinctive bottle shape. And courts have even recognized that things like distinctive restaurant interiors and scents can be protected. Scents meaning, you know, if you have something that smells differently than the product itself, um, that can be something that's protected as a trademark. Uh, trademark rights in the United States arise from use, uh, but there are some really great benefits that come from registration. We'll talk a little bit about those. Um, but switching gears, copyrights are a different sort of animal. You can actually get copyright protection over many different types of works as long as they are an original expression of an idea which is fixed in a tangible medium. And that's a lot of kind of legalese, but what that generally means is there has to be something that is an original expression. The idea itself doesn't have to be original, but the expression of it needs to be original. And the work needs to be written down in some way. And that can be on paper, on the Internet, on software code, a piece of sculpture, anything where the work can be perceived by another person. Um, this is an important, you know, notice I said it's the expression that is protected not the idea itself, the underlying idea. That's a very important distinction. And it's the reason why the idea of mermaids of color is not protectable, but this particular mermaid could be. So other people can come up with a character of color, but not one that looks very similar to Lynette's, as long as that character is an original character. Um, so copyright and protection in this country <clears throat> Kind of like trademarks, it exists um, not from the moment of use, but from the moment that that expression is fixed in the tangible medium. Um, but again, even though you have copyright protection arising out of the common law and you don't need a registration from that, registration confers some really, really good benefits to take advantage of. 
So switching gears, um, Lynette, what can you do to protect yourself? Well, the first thing is to recognize that characters can become trademarks, but only if they're applied to goods or used to sell services. They have to be used as a brand, which means, for example, and there are other ways to do this, but, for example, it would be putting a particular depiction of your character on tags or labels for your products or using it as a symbol in connection with your party planning services in certain ways, you know, putting it on your business cards, putting it on your invoices, things like that. There are very specific rules about how a trademark has to be used to be registrable. It's not enough to use the character on the product itself, like on the face of a paper plate, as you do. You want to think of that character not only as a character, but also as a brand. And one great way to think about this is to look at Disney. Disney does a great job of this with Mickey Mouse. You can see Mickey on all kinds of goods that Disney sells, in addition to using it as a character, you know, as the good it's on the good itself. Um, but you need to be able to use it as a brand that is separate from the good itself. If you do that, you might be able to register that character as a trademark, and you might be able to prevent others from using characters that are confusingly similar on those types of goods or services or goods or services that are related. So that's kind of a sum of, of the trademark protection. But in addition, when that obvious, um, you absolutely should consider registering copyrights in that depiction of the character in the U.S. Copyright Office. Uh, I should say copyright registrations are very, very inexpensive. Um, trademark registrations are really not that expensive, but they're multiples of what a copyright registration would be. Uh, and there's really not a lot of, um, of examination that goes on in the copyright office, so it usually goes pretty quickly uh, once they actually pick it up and examine it, which can take a while. Um, I should mention, as an aside, that whenever you apply to register a copyright, or really whenever you're having any kind of a character like this or, um, designed for you, you do want to make sure that you own all the rights in that work. Um, if you drew it yourself, you're good. If it was made by another person, um, if it was an employee of your company, you're good. But if it was a person that was not an employee of your company, a friend, a contractor, you know, you hired somebody over the Internet, um, you really need to be sure that you've gotten a written assignment of all the rights in that work. Otherwise, you don't own it, the person that actually created it does. Um, so please make sure that you have all of those rights tied down, um, certainly before you apply for your registration. Um, I want to mention that one of the very important benefits about copyright protection, unlike trademark protection, is that infringements of registered works are eligible for the collection of statutory damages. So that means you don't even need to prove actual damages in order to collect money from an infringer. So damages for infringement can range up to $150,000 per work infringed. That is a huge amount, and it's a very important benefit because what happens is often it either scares somebody away who might think of coming close to your character or convince them to quickly move away from it once they're caught. And that's really what your goal is, is to, is to keep the ground space clear of confusing or similar characters. So I'm going to close by restating that, especially in a case like this, where the value of the business is in the intellectual property, in those characters, in those names, the money and the effort that you spend to secure legal protection is really well worth the expense. 
And should you decide down the road to license that character or to branch out into other areas um, as you're considering doing or even to sell the business to somebody hopefully who will pay a lot of money for it, um, having those registrations will raise the value of that license or that asset when you go to, to move it. Um, and the, also, the earlier you secure those rights, the better off you are. Wow, Jennifer, thank you so (laughs) much. That was great. I think for anybody listening, it's really important, particularly for other companies who um, have some are in a similar place and or might think of themselves as having intellectual property in their company. You've you've just given our audience a great deal of value. So I want to tell our audience that Jennifer and her firm obviously represent entrepreneurs and small businesses in formation, structure, and growth, and of course, everything with regard to IP transactions. So again, thank you, Jennifer, for your time today. You're welcome. Lynette, what a great flagship product. We truly look forward to what the future has in store for Craft My Occasions. We also want to thank Jennifer, our guest expert, for sharing her insight. And I just want to recap a few key points for our listeners and Lynette to take away. First, make sure your site is ready to sell. The web never sleeps, so make sure to create an easy, optimal web or mobile user experience by leading with your product, integrate a robust e-commerce platform, and don't forget to post regularly on social media. Second, when possible, perform a digital selfie. See what's online about you and your business. To continue cultivating and building loyalty with your customer base, stay authentic. Look at your website and social media channels from your customers' eyes and evaluate what you may need to change or improve to keep your promise to your customer. For Lynette, this means keep focused on celebrating children of color. Third, IP is not something you can put off if your business is like Lynette's and based on IP and a character. To protect your idea, make sure you own all of the rights of your work and apply for trademark registration. Remember, protection includes name and slogan, but also extends to colors, sounds, shapes, packaging, and even distinct interiors and scents. And lastly, getting ready to scale and work with larger customers requires you to be intentional about prioritizing, planning, and partnering. In addition to protecting your IP and demonstrating sales, think through your strategy as a whole and always plan ahead. Speaking of planning ahead, make sure you visit our website, sign up for our newsletter, invite a friend, and don't miss an episode of Get Found, Get Funded. Thank you for listening.